let you know, um, Brother Corey, Dave Corey, David, uh, if he has a suit jacket that looks a lot like this next week, it's because he's trying to imitate me. He's, uh, no, you guys know, I, I've been here and uh, my suitcase didn't come. And so Brother Dave's got, I wear 52 long and he's got a 52 and it works out perfect. And so I got to use his jacket to preach to the preachers. And But boy, I called my wife and asked if I'd been gone long enough. And she said, no, not long enough. You can stay. And tomorrow night I'm preaching in Montgomery, Alabama. And I said, well, honey, I'm going to have to come home. I don't have. And she packed the suitcase and mailed it there so I could just stay gone. But you folks have had a great part uh, a few years ago, your church and your generous kindness to us bought us a new refrigerator that we still use and appreciate today. And, and uh, a couple years ago, we applied your kindnesses to put a new set of tires on. You know, I put on 50000 a year on my car and... Uh, so tires is a never-ending expense, and not every church has the willingness or the heart or the capacity to be generous, and I serve any church that calls me. I, if I have an open date, I go there, and I don't, you know, I don't take a syringe and stick it in their wallet and see if it comes out green like ambiocentesis and and say, well, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go there. It just doesn't work like that. When I got saved, our church had 20 people, 30 people at the most, and one set of teeth in the whole congregation <laughs> combined. But I believed God was in what we were doing. We spent five years trying to reach critical mass. The pastor worked a full-time job and everybody else. I mean, I, I went on staff as youth pastor for $25 a week and overpaid at the time. We just, and we'd have a family come in. We got these vestiges of human beings, bus kids, Widow ladies, welfare cases, barely an intact family in the whole church, except for the pastor. And in would walk a visiting family, and they'd have on, the dad had a suit and tie, the mom had a dress to her ankles, and they're carrying King James Bibles, and even their little Lord Fauntleroys are wearing shirts and ties and they come in and they stand there and they don't even need the songbook. They sing the songs. And you go, hey. I wonder if they notice that they're the only normal ones here. They would come a week or two, 
And I'd go back and visit them, and I'd say, hey, look, I'm the youth pastor. We're so glad you came. We're going to love on your kids. And, oh, Pastor King, uh, listen, we're going to kind of be still looking around. Um, your church doesn't really have much going, and you don't have much to offer for our family. And... Uh, you know, uh, your youth department with a handful of kids, you don't even have enough for a baseball game or soccer or anything. And boy, by the time you guys get something going, why, our kids will be up and grown. And we just, we just can't, just, man, man, you've got friendly people and we know you love the Lord, but all the same, we got to be responsible for our kids. When you hear that a hundred times, That gets pretty, pretty discouraging. And I'd say, no, no, don't leave me with those bus kids. Well, the only song they know is Greasy Grimy Gopher Guts. It's the only song they can sing. But I'm saying... We just determined we're going to work with and love and build the people we have instead of groveling at the feet of anybody, the people that God brings here and that decide to get in here and fight with us and we'll build it from the bottom up. Those are the people we want to ride the river with. You can imagine then... By the time I'd been there, I got saved in 69 and on staff in 71. And by 76, 77, we've built, we've grown to 100. And now people do join. And there's a split in the other Baptist church and a couple more families join. And now the pastor's on full-time staff. And boy, hey, we got things going. And boy, now we do have Buses that actually run with brakes. <laughs> I'm not lying. I, I drove bus for six months with no clutch and no brakes. I mean, when you're from a farm, you know how to spin gears and shift, turn the key off at it whenever you need to stop. Start and creeper low when you go to start. But all of that time, I believe to the core of my being that God was in what we were doing. I believed he was present. I believed what we were doing was valuable. I believe the pastor was led of God. And Boy, when we could get a nationally known speaker in, we'd kind of say under our breath, I wonder if they know that we don't really have anybody, <laughs> but they agreed to come. And it was always a little, man, can you believe it? We got Wally Beebe. We got Bill Rice. We got, we got Jack Hiles. We got, I mean, can you believe it? David Gibbs came and R.B. Wallet and can you believe they would come just to our church? 
I remember those days like they happened today. And I'm saying that to you so you understand. Who knew? I mean, I, I sure didn't know that I would ever be the pastor. And the church would grow. And then it's 200. And then it's 300. And then it's 400. And then it's 500. And now it's 600. And now... Hey, you want cello lessons? We got people that teach cello. You want violin? We got people that teach violin. You want oboe? Sure, we can do that. Flute? Piano? Brass? Percussion? We got the full orchestra, the bells, the chimes. We got timpanis and the big... We got it all. <laughs> but the core of our church are the people that rode the river with us. Yes, man. Yes, sir. When we didn't have all the ancillary stuff. Yes. The backbone of our church is those people that could worship in a barn and don't have to have all that stuff to please God. And so you can imagine if you cut your teeth where I cut my teeth. If you saw what I saw, we did what we could the best we could with the facilities we had. We had pigeons that flew inside our building on Sunday mornings and bats that flew inside our building on Sunday nights. The toilet worked sometimes. I'm telling you. But now the church is doing well. And Randy King goes out and the average church. Mother's Day a year ago, I preached to a church of nine people. I believe God was in that. No, I've preached for Paul Chapel and John Wilkerson, I did First Baptist of Hammond, and I, we call it lifting our leg with the big dogs. <laughs> but I don't, it doesn't take that to impress me or awe me, or I, I've never believed that God was any more there than he is right, right here. And so now, for the last 10 years, I get to travel full-time and serve those churches. And I believe God did everything he did to prepare my heart to respect and uplift and support those pastors that are laboring in relative obscurity. And uh, I just believe what they're doing, what God's doing in their life, in their church, is just as important as what he does in my heart, in my life. I believe that to the core of my being. And I just look back and say, boy, God, you knew what you were doing, what, it, what I needed so I could be better able to serve people at the end of my life. And so please, don't misunderstand in any way. I, I want to see churches grow and flourish and multiply and because more people means more souls and more souls in heaven and more missions supported and more dollars. And I'm a pragmatist to the fact that 
hey, they kept track of the numbers in the book of Acts, and so I'm for numbers. But I don't, you know, the honk of the horn doesn't tell you how much gas is in the tank. And, and I just, just so you know, I, I really value your friendship, your faithfulness. It means a lot to me to see the same faces over and over again, and I just love it. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 20, you know, in the, don't turn there because we're not, I'm just talking. Um, <laughs> Paul leaves Greece. He's coming through Ephesus. He meets with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. He says, look, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And they said, hey, you're going to die if you go there. And he says, hey, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And he said to them, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. If you were going to leave somebody and not see him for a while, hey, what do you say to him? Stay true to God. Go with the Bible. Make sure you get fellowship from the Christians. Uh, you know, uh, don't let the devil cause trouble. Uh, you say those kind of signature statements. I commend you to God and the word of his grace. And I feel that way always when I come to the last night of a meeting and, hey, look, I'm not going to see you for a while. I know you got a good pastor. I know you serve the Lord week in and week out. But just, I want to say, God go with you. God bless you. God use you. And uh, I'm going to do my very best to stay true to Jesus Christ this year. And I'm asking you, challenging you to do the exact same thing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look too closely at the pastor. Hey, you, you put anybody on a pedestal and you scrutinize them long enough from every different angle and you're going to find something that disappoints you. That's why we pray only to Jesus. All God has to use down here is humanoids. And so, thank God he chooses to use us, but let's keep our eyes on him. So, when I, I say all of that, because 17 years as youth pastor, 25 years as senior pastor, and in February 3rd of 2013, what am I going to preach as my final sermon to Wildwood Baptist Church? What? What's important for me to say to them? And I'm not, you know, I'm not tricky or manipulative or duplicitous. And I'm not good at fooling anybody. What you see is what you get. But there's a heart in me that wants to see God's people go on to maturity spiritually to coalesce together as a body, to certify their relationships, to do a good job with their kids, to stay true to the Bible and their music and holiness. And, and you can't make people do that. And when Peter says, I want to stir up your pure mind to remembrance, when, when Paul over and again, hey, look, uh, Remember, you serve the Lord Christ. It's not all about me. The difference between your 
best church member and your church, worst church member is about eight years. Paul goes to Galatia, Corinth, preaches. They say, oh, the gods have come down unto us. You know, they rip their clothes off and, and they say, no, look, we're just regular people like you are, the apostle said. And, and they say, Paul, you're having trouble with your eyes. They would have plucked their eyes out and given them their eyes. I mean, they loved him so much. They lionized him. Wow, you brought the message of grace and truth. Wow. Those same people were the ones that said eight years later, who's Paul that he should tell us? Why should we listen to Paul? I mean, come on, who, who is he? And Paul has to write and say, where is the blessedness you spake of? I bear you witness you would have plucked out your eyes for me. What happened between then and now? I could do no wrong before and now I can do no right and it's still the same me. I can't tell you how many times when I pastored. Somebody, oh, Brother King, you are, I mean, right next to there's, there's Jesus and then it's either you or Paul next, right? Right there, one of the two. <laughs> but a few years down the road, you know, he's not really feeding us. I'm, I'm not learning much. I go, well, hey, it's me. Don't you remember? It's me. But I'm saying that's why I got it real down deep in my craw. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care. You could have the best pastor in the world. Just follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how much I believe that. So here we are. And actually our text is going to be somewhere 2 Peter chapter 3. I have several messages from this passage. But tonight, preaching just three things every Christian needs to see. Three things every Christian needs to see. You know, Peter, the big, the big picture Peter's writing and saying, look, though you're going through adversity and trial, stay faithful. That's the context of the passage. And hey, learn to rejoice even if you're in suffering. Why? Because the people of God are going to go through some, some trials. And the secret to keeping them on the right path is, hey, look, this is just expected. This comes with the territory. It's just going to be. And so uh, look with me. Second Peter 3, stand. We'll read a text. And I'll let you folks from Horseheads get home before midnight or right, right at midnight. <laughs> Say hi to Pastor Hack for me, but. 2 Peter 3, 9, I want you to read out loud with me verse 11 and 14 and 17. I'll tell you when we get there. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which... The heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. 
The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 11 together. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now together, 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. 15. An account that the long suffering. Uh, wait. You don't get to read again until 17. I'm just telling you that I'm on 15. I don't want to have to retrain you people. <laughs> Listen carefully. 15, an account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Now together, 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for these good friends. Lord, for all this church means to me and to my wife, our family, the part they've had, their kindness, their faithfulness, their example, their encouragement. And Lord, I pray you'd bless them. Keep them safe. Keep them faithful keep them encouraged till you come for us use them lord help me to be the friend and the help that i need to be for i ask in jesus name amen thank you, you may be seated <clears throat> three things that every christian needs to see we read aloud verse number 11 seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be? And I preached here, you love people and use things. One of the things, it's such a, you just can't overstate how important this Bible is. You think of the rest of the world that doesn't know the Bible or doesn't believe the Bible. You think of the mystery that they're grappling around in, the darkness that they're struggling in, the fears that they have, because they don't know. They don't know. If you're a Rastafarian, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Hindu, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, I, I might be reincarnated and, and I might come back like Bill Clinton or something. I, I don't want to be that. I'm saying, if you honestly have no Bible insight, it is a very mysterious and scary, scary future out there. But those of us that have the Bible, 
He says, look, the day is going to come. The elements are going to melt with fervent heat and all the works are going to be burned, in, uh, burned up. All of this is going to pass. You're just here temporarily. Don't, you know, set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. He says, look, uh, we're just pilgrims and strangers down here. We're just passing through here. Don't set your hope in this stuff. Don't make that your, the center of your attention because this is all going to pass. And then he says here in this verse, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons? That's what you're going to see in all three times here. It's, look, look, look. You've been given kind of a special insight. You've been given secret information. You've been given something the rest of the world doesn't know or understand. The darkness they're in, they could never comprehend this. But you, you, because you're a child of God, God says, okay, I'm just going to peel back the curtain here and I'm just going to show you what's really worth living for. I'm, I'm showing you what's really a priority, what's really important. I was going to be a mechanical engineer. I come from a family of very capable and driven people. Every one of my aunts and uncles is a multimillionaire, bank presidents, county executives, business magnates. Every one of my siblings is a millionaire. I had a full-ride scholarship to go study mechanical engineering. I wanted to make a lot of money and looked on my nose at the peons. <laughs> hey, when you come from that, when it's just a line of constant success, driven, capable, bright people, none of our family went to jail, we didn't have a bunch of bums, we didn't, I didn't come from that. We're farmers, we had our feet on the ground, I get wet tails beside my face, I know where I fit in the pecking order, but <laughs> I'm saying that was a big deal. And the fact that I was you know, valedictorian, score in the top 1% of the United States in the entrance exams, get a full-ride scholarship to study engineering, and my future's laid out in front of me, and I got saved. And God came in and ruined it all. <laughs> he got a real special treasure when he got me. Now hear me. I got saved. And the pastor said, look, all this stuff is nothing. That John Deere tractor, God's going to beat it flat on the pavement with 120-pound hailstones. It's gone. You're going to spend time going to school, getting a sheepskin, proud of your achievement, all the while your next-door neighbor and your high school classmates are going to hell. It revolutionized my whole outlook on life when I learned all this stuff is going to be burned. It's all going to be dissolved. What really matters is what kind of a person are you going to be. Knowing what you know from the Bible should change your life too. It should have an impact on your life. It should change all your priorities. I, It's Funny, we added up 
the luggage, the clothes, what it cost, $3,260. Changed here in the last three days for me. But one of our best friends had a 50-year-old son pass away from cancer. And when I'm not here, I'm texting and calling and trying to comfort that dear lady. And do you think $3,000 is what she's most concerned with today? Five young kids. You understand, God revolutionized my priorities. I mean, I'm for people being successful and all that. Don't misunderstand. But boy, what's really, really important is the eternal things. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? Looking for, verse 12, and hasting unto the coming of the day in God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. One of the things that just became so important is just, hey, hey, the Lutherans, the Catholics, they pray, Thy will be done, the Lord's prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. We Listen, us fundamental Baptists need to be able to recite that a little bit. When you say, Lord, I want you to have your will. I want you to have your way. The way you rule heaven, I want you to rule earth. Break up that gay pride parade. Get victory over the guy who's a dope addict. Help these people that have broken relationships and don't have the capacity to forgive. God, would you do the work, the Holy Spirit office work that only you can do and have your will accomplished in this earth. This stuff, this stuff is temporary. You watch the pride of the big high-paid athletes, and they're, they're made bigger than life, and oh, look, and are they the best that ever was? And the Bible says the man in his best state is altogether vanity. Right. If you're from Green Bay, and you have Aaron Rodgers for your quarterback, and he goes and does a darkness retreat for four days, to find himself. I'm going, I don't need a darkness retreat to find myself. I'm right here. Don't put, listen, don't envy. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Lord, have your way. That's what I want. I want you to be glorified. I want you to have your way. And not just in the earth. I want you to have it with me. Make something out of this. Make something out of this. Seeing then that these things will be dissolved. The other thing every Christian needs to see. It says in verse 14. Wherefore beloved. Seeing that ye look for such things. What? The Lord to come. The end of this age. The, the world forever changed eternally. What? See, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless 
an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved apostle Paul. Brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto me, hath written unto you. He says, look, what this means is you're going to live differently. In Hebrews 4, when it says, there remaineth an arrest to the people of God. When Jesus, I mean, I think of this when I read John 14, when I do a funeral, the Lord, are you going to go away? And he says, let not your heart be troubled. When I came to grips with the creator God of the universe cares about me and he doesn't just care that I get to heaven and escape hell. He wants me to have a peaceful heart. He wants me to have a joy. He wants me to be content. He wants me to not be wrangling about all these things, these emotional disturbances and what if... No, no, he says, look, you, you look for God. He's still got his shingle out. He's still in the God business. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. You need to enter into that rest. You need to have peace. You need to just relax. Take a chill pill. That's in the Greek. It says, take a chill pill. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. That's, that's a reference to, look, it seems like a long time, but it's actually a very, very short time in the big picture. And the fact that he's waiting to come back. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. One day less down here in this mess. God, get us out of here. I can't believe it. I, I took out a big mortgage because they told me the rapture was coming in 1998 and it didn't come. And now they want their money back and I don't know what I'm going to do. No, he doesn't want you to have that kind of a miserable existence. He wants you to have peace and joy. Lord, come quickly. Now, if you don't want to come today, Lord, here's what makes sense to me. You said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. For broad is the gate. And wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. When I was born, four billion people on the earth. The majority headed for hell. And then five billion in the majority headed for hell. And six billion in the majority headed for hell. And favoring seven billion in the majority going to hell. Lord, it makes sense to me that you'd shut it down. Bob Jones Sr. said, if God would give me his power for just one day, you'd see some things changed around here. But if he'd give me his wisdom, I'd probably leave things pretty much the way they are. If we knew what God knows. Yes, the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Yes, it's true. The majority are going to hell. He made a promise in Chronicles. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. If thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off forever. That's what it says. 
But when God in his long suffering and mercy, people were praying that he would come back in 1968, but he waited till I got in the door in 1969. I'm mighty glad. I'm mighty glad. And he waited until 2006, and my daddy got saved. Now, I know I feel bad for those that didn't, but I'm mighty glad for my daddy. Right? God's keeping the books. Don't you shake your fist at him. Don't you get angry at him. You rest in the fact he knows what he's doing here. Shall not the God of all the earth do right? He's going to save that last soul and then things are going to shut down and change forever. And you and I, when we get heaven, we go, boy, Lord, you did that just right. Boy, your timing was perfect. Uh, Who was I to ever question that? We're going to be embarrassed at how little we actually trusted him to be God. And so he says, seeing you Look for such things. Be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And we'll look at that again here in the third one. Verse 17. You read this. Ye therefore, beloved, here's the third seeing. Seeing ye know these things, and look at that word, before. Seeing you know these things before. In other words, we're not just letting it happen on us. One guy was talking, hey, are you a pre-trib, or are you a mid-trib, or are you a post-trib, or are you a premillennialist or an amillennialist? And the guy says, I'm a pan-baptist. I just think it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> no, in a way, that's simplistic and kind of, but don't you know, it's going to pan out in the end. But, He's shown us a lot more detail. We don't know the, day, the hour, but we can see the times and the seasons. We know that it's just around the corner when you see Israel blossoming as a green bay tree. We know that the times and seasons are upon us. We look at the current climate in our country. And uh, I don't know. He might come back today or tomorrow or 40 years from now. I don't know. I'm not a date setter. But here's what I know. Things, you know, now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. That's the the way it's working. We're going the right direction here. I just got to be faithful to the end. But he says, and look at the way this is phrased. Seeing therefore, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before this special insight, this secret revelation, this divine mystery, seeing you know it. Hey, those that are Bible believers, they get a leg up on everybody else on the planet. Seeing you know these things before, what? Two things, and I'm done. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. And secondly, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Two things, two things. Hey, why did God tell you this? So you can be smarter than them? So you can look down your condescending little nose and say, Oh, me smart, you dumb, me strong, you weak, me right, you wrong. Hey! 
It was never intended that way. Seeing you know these things before, beware! Beware! Why? Because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You don't want to have every man's works tried to see what sort it is. Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. Beware! Lest ye fall from your own steadfast. Beware! Why? Because until you get a new body, that body of flesh you got around you, flesh is flesh no matter whose bones it's hanging on. You're capable, I, I, I'm telling you, your soul was saved, your spirit's regenerated, but your body is that same body, that corrupt body that every lost man has. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I know Christian murderers. I know Christian homosexuals. You say, oh, that ain't possible. You just are clueless. People who have a body of flesh are capable. I've watched them, I've watched them be deceptive, adulterers. We had a guy, member of our church, Sunday school teacher. He didn't like what I did. There was a, a divorced woman. Husband was a wife beater, went to jail. He divorced her. She stayed single for 20 years. Along comes a guy who's never been married. He gets saved. He falls in love with her, asks her to marry him. This gal had been working on the bus route for 20 years. Faithful, pure as a driven snow, never... And the guy asked if he could marry her. No, I don't personally marry divorced people. But I went to their wedding. I'm for her. The guy had gotten out of prison, remarried another woman, no chance of reconciliation. Hey. This guy in our church comes and says, Pastor King, you're going to kick him out of the church, right? She was divorced and now she's remarried. She can't be a member of our church, right? I said, are you kidding me? Half our church has got divorced in their background. Well, Brother King, at least you're not going to let her help on the bus. I mean, that's a bad example to our kids. I said, what are you talking about? The, it, there's no place in the Bible that says sinners can't serve. Well, She's going to be living in constant, outright adultery, and you're telling me you're not going to kick her out of this church? I says, I'm telling you that's never been the standard here. It's not what I believe. It's not what I practice. It's not what I'm going to do. And I don't care what you say. That's not how we handle this. It's never been what we do. We've got people that have served the Lord, and they've got all kinds of regrettable things in their past. If I didn't believe the grace of God could help somebody, I'd get out of the preaching business. But there's a term in the Bible called evil surmisings. And it's a lot easier to tear down than it is to build up. And so this guy crafts a very carefully worded letter. 
Dear deacons and congregation of Wildwood Baptist Church, there is a deep, troubling, moral issue in our church. And Pastor King refuses to deal with it. And so our family has to go find a church that wants to follow the Bible. He doesn't say the issue at hand. He doesn't say what it is. He leaves that hanging out there in the wind. There's a moral issue in our church that Pastor King refuses to deal with and mailed it to every family in our church. Mailed it to the deacons. Now hear me. I'm a gracious person. I believe love covers a multitude of sins. I do my very best. But when there are serious moral issues, I've dealt with them my entire ministry. I don't want to bore you with the details, but the people that know me know that I preach on holiness and righteousness and separation and godliness. But they also know, I believe, that we take people from wherever we find them and try to get them to where they ought to be. And I'm not the enemy of those that have regrettable things in their past. The people who don't have full information who yield to evil surmisings. Whoa. One guy says to me, Brother King, is it, is it somebody in the church that's a real big giver so you won't stand against what he's doing? I go, hey, that's an idea. I wasn't even smart enough to think of that. <laughs> My mind does not work like that. But I was, I marveled that anybody would pay any attention to it. But he left enough blanks for evil surmisings to creep in. And I'm saying to you, I believe with all my heart, this guy's a Christian. He did one of the most dastardly hurtful, destructive attacks on Randy King as a person that anybody ever did. An absolute insult to my integrity and character in ministry. You say, well, what did you do? I, I didn't, what, what am I going to do? I, if it was your family that was involved, would you want me to disclose everything in front of no, no, I just don't do that. But three years later, when he came back and said, Brother King, I did a terrible thing. Would you forgive me? It's time for the best Christian to be the best Christian. I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying so. But it's beware. Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Beware. I don't care. I've watched good people do horrible things. 
I don't trust your flesh. I don't trust my flesh. This isn't a verse for me to preach to other people. This is a verse for me. Seeing I know these things before, someday and sooner rather than later, I'm going to stand before a holy God. I have to be careful to guard my own heart, my own spirit, my own walk, my own life. And I got to have the right attitude. It's harder sometimes. <laughs> it's harder sometimes. Notice what it says. Beware, lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. How many people ended up in a ditch where they thought they would never be? Divorced? Out of church? Fired from a job? Hey, this guy's a Christian. He works in a factory. He steals a little bit from work. They'll never miss it. This is a big company. But the policy said it's a fireable offense. The Bible says not purloining. Right? He gets caught stealing. That's, that company, you're not fully vested for your retirement until 20 years. He had worked there 25 years, and in the contract, if you're caught stealing from work, you lose every penny of your pension. You sign that agreement when you hire on. What he stole was scraps of metal that you could buy at the salvage yard for $2. But they had him on camera once and gave him a warning. Twice gave him a warning. I didn't get called then. I get called on the third time when they got him on video, when they capture him at the gate, when they take away his key and his access pass, when they give him the pink slip and he has to go home and tell his wife, I don't have a job and I don't have a pension and I'm having trouble with my knees and it's going to be tough to get a job. I was there when she divorced him. I'm not saying I'm for it. I'm saying she divorced him. Now what? Now what? Hey, they still need a pastor they need, from where he is now. Out here in the weeds, I gotta help him get back doing right. It's not always easy. I hate the devil. I've watched good lives get ruined. I watch him turn to the bottle. I watch him turn to illicit sex. I've watched him turn to apostate religions. I don't trust nobody. I don't trust you. I don't trust me. Till we get a new glorified body, we gotta be careful, be careful, be careful. This is, is something, every day I call my wife and I tell her I love her and she says, that's good. <laughs> I can talk smart, she's not here. But, we talk and verbalize our love and commitment to each other 50, 
years of marriage and a couple of years before that. More happily married today than we've ever been. But my wife, listen to me. When I was lost, Randy King lost his virginity when he was 13 years old. I wasn't saved. I thought nothing of that. You couldn't get me with cigarettes. You couldn't get me with vodka. You couldn't get me. You could put drugs in front of me all day long, and it means nothing to me, but you could get me with a naked woman. Hey, hey. The night of our wedding, that woman sat down on the bed in the honeymoon suite, opened the Bible to Proverbs 31, and she said, you see this verse here? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so he shall have no need of spoil. And she said, I'm making a commitment to you before God Almighty. You will never need another woman. I will care for you so you can minister with a pure heart to women, with a pure heart to girls, to the teenagers, to the ladies. No one will ever, ever wonder who your wife is. Now listen to me. 50 years, 50 years, 50 years. I feel like I'd be, I'd be worse, worse than a dog to cheat on my wife. I'd have to be the worst Christian in the world. I believe when I get to heaven and we're there, I'm going to be pushing this wheelbarrow full of crowns for Lori King, and I'm just going to push them around behind her, and she's going to go right up in front of the throne and cast them before the Lord because my ministry would be nothing were it not for that woman. I could be on the ash heap of casualties and guys that are in the devil's trophy case. She made a life commitment so I could minister with a pure heart. Now, I don't, I don't tell churches this, but I'm telling you, I respect her. I love her. I revere her. I wear matching outfits for her. <laughs> It's cheaper than alimony. Basically a financial decision. <laughs> She's always been a better Christian than me. And she made our marriage her ministry for life. And, and I'm, I'm saying to you, there's, when, when, when I see these cautions and I can show you pastor after pastor after pastor who's off in the ash heap. And it could have been me. It could have been me. Now I'm old, it's not a big concern. I just howl at the moon and stuff. But I mean, we, as long as I'm in this body, I have to be careful. I have to be careful. I'm never alone with a woman. My, except my wife or my daughter, never. I'm never. I don't. I don't take a ride home from somebody. Hey, uh, the husband couldn't come get you. He'll send his wife. Nope. I'll walk. It will not happen. I will not. Beware! Beware! 
You, you have to put up your own cautions. You have to put up your own boundaries. You have to, hey, uh, my computer, my phone, my, hey, we have, we have uh, all of our technology stuff is examined by our deacons and trustees. And you get one warning. If there's anything illicit on your phone or computer, you're fired and this is your warning. Zero tolerance. You say, well, I mean, even for you, even for me. Beware, 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 lest ye fall from your own steadfastness. It's happened to lots of good people, smarter than me, braver than me, more spiritual than me, and it could happen to me. And here, it ends with, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Hey, that's the secret, okay? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Learn more of the Bible. Learn more about how to please him. Be more around the Christians. Spend your time growing in grace and you won't have to, time to horse around with all the other stuff. It's all I can do. I read, I'm almost through Revelation now, I get out of bed and read my Bible. Pray, Lord, help me. Be a man of God. Help me to be all I want to be for you. I ask for that help. And, and I'm saying to you, I don't care where you are in life. The devil wants to destroy you. He walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He'll find your weakest point and he'll put an arrow in that chink in your armor. He'll find the thing that you'll yield to and he will attack you at the weakest point. And because that's true, it's, it says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's a proactive statement. That's something you have to do. And so I'm challenging you. I'm done. You've read the same passage as I have. Look at these last few verses. Seeing then that you know these things before, since you get this, it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. You get this. Beware and grow. Beware and grow. Don't be satisfied with where you are here. You say, well, Brother King, I memorized. Look, I memorized Matthew. John, Ephesians, Titus, Hebrews, Philemon, Peter. I've forgotten more than I ever knew. My brain is like a cardboard tube inside the Christmas wrapping paper, and you put ping pong balls in, ping pong balls in. If I put one more ball in, something comes out here. <laughs> used to be, I'd come back to a church like this and I'd say, oh, oh, I recognize your face. Tell me what your name is again. Now I just say, hey, tell me what my name is. You know, I, I, I don't care what your name is, just tell me who I am. It's terrible. But I know I need the Lord's help more than I ever needed it. I haven't, Paul said, I can't know myself to have apprehended it. I haven't arrived any place. I need it, and you need it. The greatest assurance I have that I get to come back and see a solid church next year if you'll do what this Bible says. Heads bowed, eyes closed.
Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? Seeing that you look for such things, be diligent you be found of him in peace and without spot or blemish. And seeing you know these things before, beware and grow. I wonder who would say tonight, just with the uplifted hand, Pastor King, I know me. And but for the grace of God, I'd be off in the tulies right now. I'd be off in the weeds right now. I'd be off in the devil's trophy case right now. There's plenty of times that I was tempted. Plenty of times I was distraught or discouraged. There's plenty of times I could have failed. It's just the grace of God that I'm here today. Would you just slip your hand up? I know me. I don't trust me. I don't trust me. God bless you. God bless you. Confession's good for the soul. Thank you. you may put it down. But how many of you are awful glad that the sufficiency doesn't have to be of you? If you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Put off the old man with his deeds. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The resource is there. The strength to endure. The ability to conquer. And the steadfastness that will endure is available to you. I'm happy to recommend the Lord Jesus. God, help me keep my eyes on you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder if you quietly stand to your feet and I'm going to ask the pianist to just begin to play a verse. And if you're, if you're asking God, Lord, please, I want to finish well. I, I don't want to be in the devil's trophy case. I don't want to be a casualty on the side of the road. You've shown me some wonderful things. Now help me. I'm asking Lord, be with me, I'm asking. God, I just know me. Left to myself, I dishonor you. God, please help me. Next year at this time, help me be closer to you than I am today. Lord, have your will, have your way in the earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This stuff will be dissolved. Help me to be in peace, rest, confidence, security. Help me not wrestle and wrangle with fears and unnecessary troubles. God, I pray that you'd protect me from falling. My marriage is worth protecting. My children are worth protecting. My church is worth protecting. My reputation is worth protecting. But Lord, I can't do it on my own, so I'm asking, help me, please. Help me. Seeing you know such things before, beware. Grow.
pastor.